This week's TribCast is sponsored by FiberTown. All data centers are not created equal. FiberTown provides co-location, disaster recovery, and SCADA control for mission-critical companies. Learn more at FiberTown.com. And the Fast Growth Schools Coalition. Get engaged in the school funding discussion. We are Fast Growth Schools Coalition. Learn more at FastGrowthTexas.org. Texas Talking Hola, me llamo Jay Hewlings. Estoy corriendo para Congreso en el Distrito 23, el distrito más grande en Texas y uno de los más grandes en los Estados Unidos. Este distrito es de San Antonio a El Paso. Fui un fiscal federal en Del Rio y San Antonio donde luché contra los carteles de drogas y los políticos corruptos. Ahora quiero luchar contra Donald Trump y defender el sueño americano para todos. Que disfrutan a el Tripcast para esta semana con Emily Ramshaw. Gracias a todos. Thank you. This is Emily Ramshaw here on the final day in January with your Texas Tribune Tribcast, our weekly podcast on all things Texas politics and policy. Unfortunately, I'm joined today by CEO Evan Smith. Move it along. Executive Editor Ross Ramsey. Is he unfortunately me or him? I started with Oh, it's yes. completely me. I mean, I, I would acknowledge my own unfortunateness. And reporter Patrick Svitek. Captain. Paid Planet sub endorser. No. Goat. Goat <laughs> Planet Svitek. You are. You planet are. Svitek, right? Goat. I understand the media Goat. likes to tag me as a Planet sub supporter. Yeah, the media. That day there I'm was a, a that day there was a fire on the roof of Planet Sub. I exactly. caught you. You were out there like sweating bullets. No, he was, no, he was sarcastic he bullets. Was, he, was, he, he was sitting <laughs> in a closet in the dark, rocking silently. <laughs> no. All right, well, he just needed to be medicated. A reminder, coach for the if, Atlanta you're, if you're joining us on social media, you can send questions our way and we may answer them. Let's start by talking talking about uh, the Republican-on-Republican warfare that has really heated up in the last couple of weeks here. I've been um, referring to it as hot Republican-on-Republican oh, action, gross. which I Evan. acknowledge is, sounds a little <laughs> porny, doesn't it? You really this, More than a little, I think. Where are we in this <laughs> trip? Let's talk about your we're, lunch again. We're, we're pretty much grossed out. Uh, Ross had a terrific column edited once every nine years. Edited, right. by, edited by someone brilliant. Um, Ian? That, no, everybody else dumped it on Emily. Good one. Yeah, I actually got to edit a story uh, about Republicans eating their own tail. Ross, explain what you meant by oh, that. Oh, yeah, but my, my, my phrase was a problem. Yeah, I just, you know, they're, they're in charge of everything in Texas politics right now, virtually, and still they are um, ruining their moment with fratricide. They're, you know, they voted to censure their outgoing Speaker of the House. It's not like they're going to correct future behavior. He's going. Uh, the governor's running against incumbents. You know, running the ads against former incumbents. governor is running against incumbents. The former governor is running against uh, incumbent Republicans. Um, the lieutenant governor is helping challengers to incumbent senators in his own party, in his own Senate. I mean, while you know, all the while denying any involvement. It's just there's a big fight at the family dinner table. And, 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 and this really gets back to, I think, a larger conversation about what's really at work in politics in Texas right now. Uh, John Whitman, who is a spokesman for the governor, during school choice week last week, tweeted as he presented a picture of the governor talking favorably or admiringly about school choice as an issue, that the reason, I'm paraphrasing, but that the reason school choice does not 
pass as a, a bit of legislation in Texas is because Texas Democrats don't want school choice. The reality is the reason that school choice does not pass, the reason that the bathroom bill does not pass. It's because Texas Republicans The reason don't that property tax caps don't pass. Right. On and on and on is because the Republicans who have more than enough votes in the House and the Senate and control of the center office cannot get their acts together to pass their legislation. If you're in the majority and your agenda does not pass, it's on you. And the Republicans in this instance are doing essentially a version of the same thing. Well, they and the they cannot get out of their own way. Well, and the Republican majority <clears throat> in the House has four times in a row reelected Joe Strauss to be speaker. They could the numbers would have his his success would have been the same with or without the Democrats. Ross, what was the vote total on Joe Strauss's reelection for speaker the last time? One hundred and forty nine. I guess did Strauss vote one forty nine to, <laughs> right. to zero, zero. Um, or one fifty to zero? It was yeah. unanimous. Well, yeah. let's uh, Patrick tell us about the censure specifically. Let's a lot of questions coming in on social media about uh, the Strauss censure in particular. Where did it come from, and how did it pass? And yes. what happened to that nice James Dickey? <laughs> and what does it mean to get censured? That's like a, a four part question. Uh, yeah, so it was referred to the state Republican Executive Committee by the uh, Bear County Republican Party's Executive Committee or whatever their leadership council is. So his local and folks got pissed first. Right, exactly. Although and they never voted a... to censure him, right? Didn't San Antonio but not the... vote to censure him? No, they did vote to censure him, but they, there was a question over whether they had a proper quorum and whether they'd waited until the opponents had walked out, and but they passed it up to the state. But it was, compli but it was complicated the way was that they attempted to do yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, this has been a, a drama unfolding in Bear County for the past several months now, and so finally, you know, spilled over to the state level and the state Republican Executive Committee uh, at their, their meeting Saturday in Austin. Um, they had initially come up one vote short um, for the two-thirds support that they needed to, to censure Strauss. Uh, and what happened at that point was uh, the chairman, James Dickey, announced that uh, not only he would be supporting the censure motion, but also the vice chair, Amy Clark. And so those two votes uh, put it over the top, and it passed. I believe the, the vote was 44 to 19. And then Amy Clark's and next so, job was to resign as right, vice chair of the Texas Republican Party. And then Amy Clark uh, announced that she was stepping down. Related uh, at all? No, no, no. I mean, not not in an overt way. She didn't state it was just that, her, you know, just an <laughs> kind of a ring and run. Um, you know, so, you know, but I, I think what was, you know, what was obviously notable here was the involvement of the two party leaders in, in this vote. And it was so notable that a, a day later they had to put out a statement clarifying um, or at least seeking to clarify why they voted uh, the way they did. And they reiterated largely in the statement, the party re reiterated largely in the statement what Dickey had said Saturday, which is, that they, you know, they believe that it was important for the um, the party to be unified <laughs> heading into 2018 and to put yeah. this uh, behind them. Um, so we know that the top leaders are potentially unified, yeah, it, but like everybody right. else in the party. They also, try, they also sought to argue that this doesn't necessarily reflect their Dickey and Clark's personal, personal views. Opinions. So, so, so they just were, reflects a desire to be unified and to put this behind them. It's as they weird. It's not. So they were against like, it before they were for it. Something like that, I think. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. Uh, they were against it and they were for it. And they had a weird little typographical note at the end of their statement that it ended with an ellipsis. So I wonder if there's going to be <laughs> yeah, more to come. There was more. It's like a Trump tweet. <laughs> right. Uh, right. A couple questions on on, on social media, Ralph asks, so what did Dickey prove by doing this? That the party is uh, on the side of Dan Patrick, certainly, Greg Abbott, probably, and not on the side of Joe Strauss, certainly. Yeah. And, and did they ever say specifically what they were censuring Strauss for? I mean, is this all about the bathroom bill? Is this... <laughs> there's a long, there's yeah. a long um, censure notice from the Bear County Republican Party Whereas, 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 we didn't like this, we didn't like that, we didn't like the other. At the at the state party level, they just relied on a rule that they have that says, if you have three or more 
things you find fault with, then you can vote to censure. And they didn't enumerate which three yeah. they were citing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it's also worth noting, too, anybody who's followed Dickey's, you know, first several months of being chair probably shouldn't be shocked by his decision to ultimately vote in favor of this uh, or to be the one presiding over this finally happening at the, the state Republican executive committee. He won the chairmanship by one vote. Uh, I believe it was in June of last year came into the, the post and, and immediately set out to much more aggressively promote the party platform um, and the party's legislative priorities uh, than his predecessors had. He continued that through the special session. Uh, he you know, oversaw the creation of this uh, speaker selection pledge mm -hmm. form, trying to get Republicans- which, which was controversial. Right? Which was controversial, trying to get Republicans uh, incumbents and candidates to, to pledge to vote for the Republican caucus choice for speaker in 2019. And so, you know, if you look at how, you know, clearly the, the tack that he's taken in running the party so far, this isn't, you know, entirely uh, shocking. Mm -hmm. let, let me borrow a phrase from the national discussion of President Trump at various moments when he behaves in something that resembles a normal <laughs> um, manner. Uh, today was the day that Luke Macias became president. <laughs> right. Th this is the moment when the 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 wing of the party where there's a lot of energy and there's a lot of uh, spittle and there's a lot of uh, you know desire part. to overturn mm -hmm. right. the existing order and upturn the apple cart that part of the party which is less than a 50 percent percent of the party in total but in terms of activity level energy level volume level and influence level far punches above its weight right Right. That th that the 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 censure of Strauss, the Abbott endorsement of Docapil, the Sarah Davis opponent, and now not one but two ads. Right. That he's now placed on Docapil's behalf on television, mm -hmm. the Abbott endorsement of Mays Middleton over Lock uh, over uh, I wanted to call him Lockfaircloth, who was the old Republican <laughs> senator from the Wayne coast. Oh, Wayne Wayne right. If only he were Lockfaircloth, <laughs> right. maybe right. Abbott would have endorsed him. Um, the Greg uh, the Rick Perry endorsement today of uh, Lyle Larson's opponent, and what we assume will be any minute now the Greg Abbott endorsement of Lyle Larson's opponent in San Antonio. This is the uh, uh, continued ascension of what you might refer to as the Luke Messias wing. I'm picking on him, but it could right. fill in another name, of, of the Republican Party uh, at, a, at a moment when, as we've pointed out, the Republican Party is having a problem getting out of its own way. If only the Republican Party would figure out a way to come together, kind of like the National Republican Party, a lot right. more can be accomplished right. by that party. Well, and somewhere on the other side, somebody's going, you know, if the Democratic Party was a little bit more proactive here, they might put some people up to take advantage of this thing. They've well, put up, and they put up more except candidates for the statewide offices, they did. Well, they put up more candidates than they have before, but they aren't from the center wing of the party. They're from the liberal wing of the party. It's hard to pull Republicans over with that. Well, it remains to be seen One of the though, whether, no, well, but it remains to be seen candidly. It remains to be seen whether the the people running to the left of the people in the Republican primary in March are going right. to be successful in ousting the incumbents, whether the Kristen Tassens and Cindy the, Burkett, right. the Cindy Burkett's in the Senate case or in the House case, some of these education candidates who are running as Republicans. You know, I wouldn't buy Scott Milder stock at the moment, but there are a number of other people who are running uh, as education, pro-business, but Republicans in the primary to the left. And look, the odds are that these incumbents are going to all be fine, but we still don't really know yet. Right. I want to address a couple more questions that are coming in. So remind us what censuring actually is. It's nothing, right? I mean, it's basically saying we're mad at you. 
Yeah, it's that thing in Monty Python. I blow my nose in your general direction. Right. So, right. so Ash wants to know what good does censuring even do if the speaker's on his way out? And I well, would like to add yeah. to that: what does this mean for Strauss? I mean, does he get pissed enough that he decides he's got some does game he strike plan? Strike you as the get he's, pissed type? Oh, sure. I think it already happened. I think Strauss already peeled off. You know, he did yeah. the. He was he was critical. Of the Alabama election, he was. I mean, he's weighed in on a bunch of these. Strauss is floating the Riverwalk behind right. the mansion, yeah. the Palacio del Rio. Hotel. He's working on behalf right. of. He's in, working in board shorts. I mean, he's what defending Sarah Davis, that, you know, who's under attack that, from the governor. That's one of the more governor. practical, I think, short-term impacts of this. Is you know, we have primaries in a month from now or right. whatever, and in a lot of those primaries, Strauss is already. Not a lot of them, but a number of them, a good chunk of them. Strauss is already kind of a toxic brand in some ways, right. being used against incumbents. Right. The this, Democrats this are running censure. against Trump, and the Republicans right. are running against yeah. Strauss. Yeah, that's, that's 2018 for you. This right? censure yeah, could, you, you know, go. in a practical right. way, further, uh, you know, intoxicate the Strauss brand in some of those primaries where he's already uh, problematic. I think mm -hmm. that's maybe one of the practical impacts. Some of these people running to the right of incumbents can say. You know, this lawmaker, this Republican lawmaker is being supported by Joe Strauss, who was just censured by the state, you know, by the Texas Republican Party. Right. They'll, they'll obviously use, they won't refer to the SREC because no one knows what that is, but they'll say, you know, just, I don't you know. think anybody knows who Joe Strauss is. I mean, <laughs> in our polling, exactly. he's like yeah, 55% yeah, yeah. of the exactly. And, accor and so, according to Facebook, nobody knows what the word censure right. means. So, right. but, but, you know, <laughs> but, are we even talking about but, so here, yeah. but, but here, here's an example, though, of a race in which you can expect, despite the fact that nobody knows anything that we're talking about. All right. So I'm interested in the Jason Vialba primary in Dallas. Week. He's in trouble. Okay, Lisa Luby Ryan is right. the Republican opponent. I think he's in trouble. You know, do the people in Jason Vialba's district know who Joe Strauss is? No. By and large, no. no. Do the Republican voters who are activated to oppose Vialba for not being sufficiently conservative in their minds maybe so know who yeah. Joe sure. Strauss is? Maybe so. Yeah. Does the fact that Strauss, uh, you know, is uh, has been a, a, a player in these big fights over issues and everything else, does that come up in the course of the primary? I, I actually think. In, in in that instance, it probably does. Well, you know, you know not so, every one of these races. So but to your point, of, so you, to your point a minute ago, if I'm a Republican in a district, say that district in Dallas, am I more against Strauss or against Trump? Where am I comfortable? And who am I going to associate in my local race, Vialba or um, Ryan? With Trump and Strauss, I mean, do the do you even get to the Trump and Strauss piece of this? Or do you just look at the two local mm -hmm. candidates and go, I like him, I like her. Yep. All right. Well, just a quick reminder, if you're listening to this Tribcast on iTunes, please take a second to review us and subscribe. Here's a recent review from Reddit user Dreamshade. Oh, quotes, Reddit. Get ready. The Tribcast, oh, is, <laughs> the Tribcast <laughs> is legit a great podcast. And I spent my entire last class writing I Heart Patrick Svitek over and over in my notebook. Well, there you go. We need to trace and, the IP address. And, you, th and <laughs> you thought I was gross, yeah. right? I mean, come on. All right, also, that person's probably in fifth grade. Yeah. <laughs> or it's Patrick's Didn't girlfriend. Say what class. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. I was, you know, I spent all my time in law school. I mean, yeah. it's class. Right, right exactly. Yeah. That's it. All right, well, let's uh, talk about. Can we what, just have one more point on the oh Republican? Oh, God, you Please. can't help yourself. No, this is like the best topic of all time. We're ready to okay. move on. All right, the go best topic fast. of all time is, is this question. The continued version of this. Here's where it ends up. If the Lisa Luby Ryans or in Larry Gonzalez's district, if the Jeremy Stories of the world end up as the nominees, mm -hmm. if, the, if, if the incumbents are successfully pushed out by this wing of the party. This is the Sarah Davis question. If Susanna Dokopil mm -hmm. beats Sarah Davis. Is, are the Republicans at risk of um, 
of losing some of those seats to Democratic candidates? The arguments, does the math of the legislature potentially change on that basis? The argument that the moderates in those races are making, Sarah Davis being the one who first brought this up that I know of, is that if she gets beat, then the Democrats have a better chance in November than they would against Hill. And, you know, that um, may be. There are people in the Republican Party who are like, it doesn't matter if we have a Republican voting as a Democrat anyway. That doesn't matter. We should try to expunge the people who aren't voting with us all the time. Do you think the governor would get Sarah Davis? There are not enough swing voters in these kinds of races. Well, but the Sarah Davis race is interesting because in our lifetime, Sarah Davis's district was represented by a Democrat. So the question is, that's a weird district. That district voted 15 points against Trump for Clinton. It voted the the Davis-Abbott race was only a two-point race in that district. My question, though, is would the Republicans rather have an outcome in which a Democrat wins this time and they think they can come back in two years and beat the Democrat with Doka Pill or some other Republican more of their liking, or would they prefer to have Davis to a Democrat? Well, the Republicans you're talking about, the more conservative Republicans, don't regard those as different. You know, if you say you want Sarah Davis or a Democrat, they would say, well, Sarah Davis is a Democrat. That's right. their that's their point of view. They want to beat Despite Sarah Davis. Despite the fact that Sarah Davis agrees with them 90% know. of the time. Well, same, same. I mean, that's how they, that's how they rhetorically talk about it. Well, where yeah. Svitek's little admirer goes to school, 90% is an A-. minus. I mean, I don't understand why an A- minus is a bad grade. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Beto O'Rourke's A-plus fundraising haul, uh, announced this week to be $2.4 million over the last three months. How does that compare to Ted Cruz? Yeah, Cruz's campaign came out shortly after this and said that Cruz raised uh, $1.9 million over the, the same period, so Beto uh, outraised him by a pretty wide margin. Um, and not only that, but if you look at the disparity in their cash on hand numbers, the amount of money that they have in the bank to spend after each period, Beto's been slowly closing the gap. And, you know, he's Cruz still has, a, a, you know, a couple million dollars more in the bank than Beto does. But he's been he's been closing the gap from quarter to quarter. I think that's an important thing to note, um, in addition to just the fact that he outraised him uh, over the period. I mean, this is financially, you know, this is a real challenge. I mean, this is a real fight. Right. Um, it remains to be seen, you know, how favorable the political environment will be to a Democrat running statewide in Texas on November, uh, the f- <laughs> whatever election day is yeah. in November. November, six, yeah. Man, I should, November I should election. walk out of here. Um, but yeah, I mean, but this is financially, this is a real fight. And, and uh, is Beto still sticking to this, you know, I'm not accepting any PAC money? Is that still, an, yeah, I know that's, that was his that's, original you know, that's still its thing. And that's, you know, clearly... So um, does that make the the money even more noteworthy? Because I mean, I'm, I mean, it, it, you know, I mean, he, he challengers would, he would don't, say that you know, challengers aren't really leaving too much money on the table. I don't think when by not accepting PAC mm-hmm. money, because PACs tend to uh, give most generously to incumbents. Mm-hmm. Well, especially, um, but, especially, but it's it's nonetheless you know contributes to an ethos of his campaign that. In, you know, I think enthuses his supporters and makes it seem like a, a more pure effort than the one that, that Cruz is, is running. Cruz has a national rep, which helps him with Republicans in other states, but hurts him with Democrats and Cruz haters in other states. And, you know, O'Rourke uh, should be able to tap that and raise some money from that. I think he's going to have enough money in this race where people go into the booth on November 6th and know who the two candidates are mm-hmm. and know what they're voting for. And that's really all a challenger wants is, you know, just get me on the table. He's, and then, yeah, and he, start, he starts with a big uphill right. uh, uh, climb to make. Uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a cruise. It's cruises to lose. Right. Think, but. but he is uh, Republicans have said to me privately, of course, because I don't want to be seen as talking so, to you. So. <laughs> yeah, right. I wouldn't either. Only Matt Krause will talk to me. Nobody else because he's nice. Um, uh, but, but no, Republicans have said privately, you know, look, O'Rourke 
is going to probably lose this race. Right. Almost certainly going to lose this race, they say. But as, as hopeful as anything. Right. right. That he, but give him this. He is energetic. It's going to be hard to outwork him. And he's making every opportunity that exists for him to make this a competitive race happen. Exactly the well, things right. they were saying about Ted Cruz in 2012. Right. I mean, right. is Cruz right. aggressively fundraising at this point? Yeah, absolutely. So I, mean, I think he's he's yeah. I mean, I think he's firing on on all cylinders mm -hmm. g given the distance between now and, and election day. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think he's uh, slouching at all. I mean, I think he's trying, and this is and this is what right. this is what the outcome is. So yeah. yeah, like I said, financially, it's it's a real fight. At this and point. again, as much as we mock Beto O'Rourke's, I mean, mock in a nice way, Beto O'Rourke's recitation of every town name alphabetically in the state. You know, I've been to Dimebox. I've been. He's to, a hustler. You know. Yeah. Well, he's going to play. This is actually an interesting conversation, and especially in a year in which the potential for the wave to be significant exists. Potential is he's going to a lot of places where Democrats typically don't go, and he's asking for votes in places where Democrats typically don't ask for votes, much as Greg Abbott did in 2014 where he went down to places in the valley, well, And for again, this is what Cruz did in 12. Right. Yeah. So, you know, if O'Rourke were to turn out some Democrats from some of these communities where they don't typically feel like they've got anybody to invest in but on the basis of having gone and shake hands and eat at the cafe or whatever else, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that's that's the thing. He's got to find yeah. a billion Democrats. Well, He's right, running like a guy with nothing to lose, well, closing, which is a good campaign to run. Right. Does closing the fundraising gap signify closing the voter gap? No. But it, but it. You, if you don't close the fundraising gap, you can't close the voter gap. You don't mm -hmm. have enough people who know who you are, right. who know there's an alternative brand to whatever the incumbent is, and he's going to have enough money to compete in the same way that Wendy Davis had the money to compete against Greg Abbott. And she still lost, lost by 20 points. Right. Well, she lost still, but it wasn't because people didn't know who she was or what she stood for. It was because it's people because, did know. It's because right. Texas right. is filled with Republicans. Right. right. Yeah. Well, but, but again, you know, Ross makes a really important point about the fundraising <laughs> stuff, and I hope I'm not jumping. Oh, I'll few, jump back. Future Go ahead. line yeah. that you, you know, there are 49 states in the country where right. Ted Cruz may not be the most popular guy in the world, and where a pitch from the Democrat running against Ted Cruz, right, something along the lines of the old George H. W. Bush mm. bumper sticker, um, you know, annoy Ted Cruz, right, send money to Beto O'Rourke, the way right. that Bush had that annoy the media, support George Bush, right. You know, you could actually see a, a fundraising pitch resonant enough. In the other four United States, saying if you don't like Ted Cruz, and by all rights you don't, here's how you can get him. Right. Right. So I mean, we'll see what the O'Rourke campaign does. Look the, to your point about the no PAC contributions. I mean, this is not. He wants to be seen as one of these democratic, you know, I'm with the people, sort of Sanders-like. You know, yeah. which, remember how Sanders kept quoting yeah, right. twenty-seven dollars, small dollar donations. That was a big talking point in the release about the the quarter fourth quarter numbers was it was right. this many co contributions they were from individuals large you know, da, 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 and, and I think he's going to play that card as much as he possibly right is there any what's the significance of State Representative Joe Moody coming aboard as uh, his political director El Paso boy helps El Paso boy right <laughs> is that a is that a headline or is it just you know par for the course. I, you know, they're both from you know. <laughs> was a headline to us. <laughs> well, they're, they're both right. from they're both from El Paso. Ross is going to shit families. on your headline. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Palm yeah. Springs Bureau yeah. decided that it was worth stopping I mean, the presses for. You know, <laughs> right. their dads were in politics before they were. These are two El Paso political families. Bill Moody's a district court judge. Pat O'Rourke, the late Pat O'Rourke, was a county, county judge. And and um, you know, these are two prominent El Paso Democratic families. So not that surprising. Yeah. I mean, it gives him, obviously, the most prominent name yet added to his campaign staff. 
I mean, so far, you know, I think O'Rourke's been working with, at least based on the names I've seen, some pretty little known people, at least on a statewide political basis. Will Hurd. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. 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 Democratic consultant Will Hurd. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think that, uh, you know, I think that's probably the, the most meaningful impact of it. He's still from El Paso, still from kind of the same well, Democratic he's from circles Texas. in El Paso, yeah. but at least gives the award right. campaign someone with, I, I think, at least to the political class statewide name recognition. Most Democrats of the last 10 or 15 years who bring in uh, high up people into their campaign, bring them in from out of state, they live at the extended stay right. America, and they think it's pronounced Manchaca, right? right? And then they get run out of town. Yeah, in five and minutes. This is, at least yeah. Joe Moody is like an actual right. Texan. Yeah, well, speaking part of right. those that we mentioned, you know, you know, these all these big consultants have failed Texas Democrats in the past. Why should we follow the mm -hmm. same path? So I think that. that Do you think Cruz is taking the the race seriously? Yes. I think he's been actually very, I was going to note earlier, I think he's been very, dis he's he is taking to. it seriously, yes, but he's also been very disciplined in, in terms of his engagement strategy or non-engagement strategy. I mean, he makes some kind of vague allusions to O'Rourke being a liberal Democrat, a Chuck Schumer puppet, but that's about it. And I think that Cruz, um, despite the best efforts of reporters like myself to get him to, uh, you know, to sick him on O'Rourke, has not, uh, has not, not taken, taken the, bait the bait and has kept, largely kept his focus on stuff in Washington and and how that stuff affects Texas. A no. good question from Lorena. Do we have any stats on fundraising numbers uh, in-state versus out-of-state for Beto? Um, no, not yet. The the fundraising reports are due today, and so the details, you know, the, the kind of uh, the guts of those reports won't be available for us to analyze in, until today or tomorrow or something like mm -hmm. that. That's a pretty so. quick analysis once you have them, though. I mean, right. they do right. disclose that. So stay tuned. Right. Look, for, look for all the punk rockers from out of state supporting right. the exactly. work. Yeah. Well, just a reminder. Yeah. Didi Ramon <laughs> makes yeah. some kind of made Didi Ramon may be dead, actually. It's a bad example. But you get my point. We've got a few minutes left if you want to send us your questions on social media. Um, in the meantime, Ross, uh, our colleague Jay Root had a story this week about the Texas Association of Business and Dark Money, basically um, hiding financial contributions and an affiliated nonprofit. Right. Tell us a little bit about why this story was significant. Well, you can give money to an association and not necessarily put your name on it. And the issue here is who, what kind of organizations and individuals are giving money to the Texas Association of Business and how's the money being used. So if I'm an individual and I give money to an association, they can use it for anything they want, organization, politics, you know, Diet Cokes, whatever the whatever the deal is. If I'm a corporation and I do it, they have to use it for organization and not for politics. So it can't, you know, go from, you know, intergalactic garage tech corporation to the political action committee. That money has to go to organizational. So the question is, if this is commingled or it's not clear whether it's commingled because you're not disclosing the names of the donors, then how much of the money that you're using for political uses may be corporate money. And if you don't disclose, you don't know. And so why, what's the point of not disclosing it? I mean, why would a group like the Texas Association of Business, um, you know, keep money in this separate account that doesn't have to be disclosed? Who do, uh, you, who do you not want to disclose? Well, they don't have to disclose because, you know, it's not required by law. So why would I disclose if it's not required by law? And if I've got donors who would rather not have their names attached to the Texas Association's Texas Association of Businesses position on, 
you know, bathrooms bill, or, yeah. you know, whatever Let's else. Let's say it's somebody who but has they wanted, but they an agenda to with the lieutenant governor. Somebody, they have business that they want the lieutenant governor to right. move for them, and the lieutenant governor's pissed at the TAB over the bathroom bills. Right. right. They wouldn't want to, but, the, but they're pretty strongly aligned with the TAB on that issue. Mm-hmm. Well, right. And right. The, TAB's, you know, right. the TAB's endorsed Patrick, so it's confusing. But, but you basically don't want your name on a position. So, you know, freedom of association. I can play in an organization without putting my name on it. And then the organization, in this case, is defending, well, look, we're not using corporate money for politics. You just have to trust us. It's not a situation where it's disclosed and you can actually see that the money from corporations isn't going to politics. Or is. Yeah. Over the past years in Texas, I mean, this dark money, I guess it goes without saying, this dark money discussion has been more located on the farther end of the the Republican spectrum. Far right, yeah. Far right end of the Republican spectrum. So. Always interesting to see, well, and it's often the not the fight move to the more moderate yeah, Republicans. It's often not about, this yeah. is, everybody's doing it. It's, you know, yeah. it's often not about the use of funds; it's about the source of funds. So you know, sometimes it's not you know you can't use this money for that, as it is in the case of the Texas Association of Business. Sometimes it is: does this money come from you know snidely whiplash or some some bad person, and you just don't have to say. What is the status of this conversation before the Texas legislature? Because obviously, dark money has been a super hot term in i think the last two sessions they've never been able to get it really moving over there the disclosure who wants what yeah the disclosure you know people on the outside of these things or people under attack by groups they can't name always want more disclosure you know some byron cook yeah i mean you know good government types but also candidates who are under attack and you know people who are receiving money or benefiting from the support of people who I'll support you, but I'd rather not name myself, are always defensive of current law, and, and they outnumber the reformers. Right. Well, we just have a couple of minutes left. Uh, let's, Evan, I'd like you to opine on what you think Cecile Richards' next job might be. Uh, Planned Parenthood uh, exec, who is a native Texan. 12 years, Ann Richards' daughter. Um, announcing that she's stepping down from Planned Parenthood. Right. Uh, 12 years at Planned Parenthood in the current climate is like 48 years in a normal job. In, Afghan- would, in no, Afghanistan, no one would right. blame yeah. <laughs> no one would blame her for deciding to no longer do this work because 12 years is a long time right. doing this work. She's been a very visible spokesperson for an organization that, depending upon where you stand on the issues that intersect with Planned Parenthood, is either appropriately or unnecessarily viewed as controversial and. In the crosshairs politically, you know, Texas, in the crosshairs, has, no matter which Texas has right. come. Texas has come after Planned Parenthood in, in many ways. And Texas politicians on the Republican end of the spectrum largely have come after Planned Parenthood in many ways. And she's been the, the blocking back for Planned Parenthood in the public face. And um, an articulate spokesperson, whether you like her or don't or like Planned Parenthood or don't, you have to respect, you know, um, uh, you know, hate the sin, not the sinner. So you probably have to admire the fact that she's been as successful as she has in being visible. And she followed in, you know, in, in Planned Parenthood terms, a bunch of CEOs who had themselves been pretty visible. And she really raised the game. All right. The, so make your office. prediction. Well, <laughs> you know, I, 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 there was a long filibuster. It was, yeah. yes. I, we're not out of time yet. Yeah, yeah um, we're over time. I, I have a hard time believing that the former president of Planned Parenthood comes back and runs in Texas successfully for a statewide office. I don't think she'll run in Texas if she runs. I don't think right. she'll run, but if I, she runs, she'll run so, in New York. And, and that's really the only question anybody like, That's right. the question only anybody ever that's cares a, about. Right. The only question anybody cares I don't care if she runs against Al D'Amato. That's like an old reference. But I mean, I, no, nobody cares. You. you care. You, you know who Al, Al D'Amato is? 
Doesn't sound like a Texas politician. No. <laughs> Correct. Um, Frozen Pizza Company. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, is she going to come back in two years running against John Cornyn? Or is she going to lay in wait and then come back in, in four years and run, run against, for run governor. for governor against whomever? Uh, hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, we have our one child of a former governor candidate for governor. <laughs> right. We're not entitled to a second. You know, you know. Annie's list needs a new leader. It's true. They do. She could obviously come, a step down. She could decide to come back and be the head of Texas, home. You know? yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not convinced they want to come back to Texas. I'm, you know, I, they're in New York right now. I think they probably stay there. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. If you like listening to the Tribcast every week, please do us a favor and leave us a review on iTunes. And if you value the Tribune's nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom, please consider making a donation at support.texastribune.org. Thanks to Shiny Ribs for our music and to Fibertown and the Fast Grow Schools Coalition, our sponsors this week. On behalf of Patrick, Evan, Ross, and our producers, Todd and Bobby, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. Texas talking. And reporter Patrick Svitek. Good afternoon. Paid Planet Sub Endorser. No. (laughs) No.